All right, welcome everyone, and thanks for joining us as AGI SureTrack Coffee Talk presents From the Classroom to the Field with our host, Laura Hankey, and our guests, Nat Bascom, Fana Mainu, and Etu Kasa. Let's toss things over to Laura and get the conversation started. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Friday's Coffee Talk. We're excited here today to be talking about International Women's Day. International Women's Day, if you're not familiar with it, is a day that celebrates the collective and ongoing efforts to create a world that's diverse, equitable, inclusive. And here with us to do that today is Etu Fauna, an assistant director of the Feed the Future Innovation Lab, the Sorghum and Millet Innovation Lab there at K-State, is Nat Bascom. Thanks for joining us here this morning, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we always highlight agriculture in every episode of Coffee Talk, and today is no different. Um, if you're listening in here this morning, you may remember that we had a great conversation with Nat around the Sorghum and Millet um, Innovation Lab here before the holidays in 2021. And so this is kind of a continuation of that. Um, what better way to continue that equity conversation than with a uh, conversation around um education. And so Etu and, and Fauna are here this morning to do that with us. Um, to get us going here this morning, Nat, could you go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, the equity that your team is working to build for female farmers um, through programming, through education, through inclusion, and through new market opportunities? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for the invite back. Um, so we estimate about 500 million people um, really depend on sorghum and pearl millet value chains at a uh, household level um, in many parts of, of Africa where sorghum originates from and, and pearl millet. And so, uh, you know, women are at the core both of the, uh, the production and the management of uh, these value chains right into the food processing aspects. So, you know, within our program, we're always looking to see how to uh, be inclusive in terms of how the uh, end users and, and the uptake of some of the technologies are well represented. And so women are at the forefront of that in, in some of our breeding aspects in terms of what, what women want to see in, in, in food products at the end of that chain, as well as things like I talked about before around our seed ball technology that allows women in Niger um, to really get more access to uh, the planting of, of fields that they that they have more control of. And then if you look at the research area, um, you know, we're just very proud of the almost 100 students that we've supported through this program, of which probably uh, 30 to 40 percent of those researchers who have come from master's and PhD level um, are women. And you're getting to meet two of the finest in uh, Fana from uh, Niger, who's working with the, the national research system there as a genomist and, and uh, really leading the way in what we would call genomics assisted breeding. And then Etu from Ethiopia, who works with the Ethiopian Institute of Ag Research as an ag economist. So two quality ladies and um, just really proud to be associated with them and their national programs um, as we uh, try to, to be inclusive um, both at the the household level, but right into the into the research. So over to you and, and thanks again so much. 
Yes, absolutely. Thanks for your time and, and your help on the back end as well to help organize these conversations. Certainly right. appreciated. Well, Etu, let's start with you here this morning and talk a little bit about your experience in choosing to further your education and, and start working on your PhD, what that looked like, how you learned about the program, um, and what you hope to gain from it. Um, yeah, uh, when I uh, start decide to start my PhD, I was thinking to furthering my educational background with help me with uh, the required knowledge and skill to be uh, qualified in my uh, my study area. So uh, yeah, it was really a nice opportunity to have this uh, this this opportunity. Yes. And so how did you learn about this opportunity? Take me back to those first steps and, um, you know, kind of conversations leading up to this. What, what drove you to pursue an opportunity here in the United States to take that education back to your, um, your home country there in Ethiopia? Um, yeah, first, I, I used to work in a research institute and I uh, saw so it was a nice uh, coincidence that uh, the team of uh, NAS team or um, the SMIL team was there in the presentation I was I was bringing, and it was a nice opportunity for me to present my uh, work while they were around. And so that's why I got this opportunity. I make a link with with the uh, SMIL project, and we start discussing, and I um, ask Professor Tim to. Uh, see if there is a, an opportunity for me to further my education. And I know that team is working on economics, so I was happy to uh, have some contact with someone who is in my profession. So that was my first instance to have this opportunity and ask someone to help me with furthering my education. <laughs> Of course. Um, and I, I want to focus a little bit more on economics and why you chose that as your focus area. But I also want to bring Fauna into the conversation. Fauna, thanks for joining us here this morning. We appreciate it. Oh, you're still on mute there, Fauna. Oh, thank you. My pleasure, Laura. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And, and I should have prefaced by saying thanks for joining us this evening because you are, um, where are you located? Niamey, Niger, West Africa. Very good. So it's about like 6 p.m. Well, thank you for joining us here this evening. So, uh, Fauna, talk a little bit about your experience coming to the United States to work on your PhD. Um, when did you graduate with that? So I graduated from Kansas State University in December 2020. So I uh, started my PhD program in 2015. So it's not like basically all PhD program because I came uh, in, I come, I'm coming from a Francophone country where we speak French uh, in, in our official language. So I don't have like a really good basics in English that can help me start my PhD program. So it comes along with the English language program first like uh, just getting to know the English and having the opportunity to get admitted to the graduate school. So I started by the English language program, supported still by the Sorgomen Millet Innovation Lab before starting my PhD. So it is uh, like um, 
I don't know, like I came to study PhD program. I have my vision. I want to continue to pursue further education, higher education. Like um, most of the people in my country may not have that chance. So I'm really grateful for that. So the, that experience, like it is more like I have a baggage, I have a luggage to, to come with. And I know like I have to work, I have to focus on my studies and learn. So it is, it comes along with the support that I got from my mentors. Um, it is very different from where I came from. Like maybe the mentors were very helpful. For instance, like having office hours for students, feeling free to go and ask them questions. And I got the chance also on, on uh, living on campus which is a really uh, great part of the, the experience in um, the PhD. Mm -hmm. Very good. So what was your focus area um, at Kansas State University? What's your PhD in? So I have my PhD in agronomy, uh, especially in uh, genomics, uh, plant breeding and genetics. So my focus was that is to enable uh, breeding, like to help uh, crop improvement succeed in some de in developing countries, especially my country in West Africa and in uh, particular. Mm -hmm. So I focused on that and my background was in biotechnology. So I started looking at those area first and then having like a broad area on biotechnology, what is going on related to genomics, crop improvement and everything. So I know that um, I want to help my country. Uh, we have a lot of experiences in food insecurity, hunger and everything. So uh, just to bring um, my uh, idea or my work helps uh, ensure food security. So that's where I started learning biotechnology, crop improvement and everything. But I have also to learn the environment where I will be working on. So this came with my master's degree in uh, environmental management, biodiversity, and also in my country, like the Sahelian part. So understanding those specific area, the environment where we will work. And uh, yeah, it comes with a lot of um, experiences like working in some areas of Niger, having some, my surveys or research there. And then, yeah, we have to go further for PhD. And this is where I focus on breeding, especially helping breeders to deliver better adopted, adapted, and also appreciated crop varieties in West Africa. Well, that's very exciting, and I certainly want to learn more about that. Um, but before we go too much further into your work, Fauna, I want to throw things back over to Etu and learn a little bit more about why she chose economics as her focus area. Um, agronomy to economics, that's that's a pretty wide gap. So you ladies are really covering the gamut. Etu, tell us more about why you chose economics. Uh, okay, for furthering my education is because my first and second degree was economics. So I'd like to further understand with the background I had in the past. So that was one reason. But the main and most important reason why I first uh, decided to choose economics is because I, I really think that economics is uh, important in everyday life. It's not only for research, it's 
important in everyday life. And I believe also uh, economics can, uh, uh, what do you call it? economics can, uh, better, uh, can make better the world around us. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so the objective of economics is to better understand nature and improve the living condition of people in everyday life. So uh, especially agricultural economics can better contribute to the major issues and challenges, especially in a country like Ethiopia. So uh, yeah, in my understanding, the major problem in uh, a developed a developing country like us is because we don't really use our resources economically, and that's the main reason for that is we don't have educated people in in such area. Um, so yeah, if if I got the opportunity and all the knowledge required for economics, then at least I can contribute to the betterment of our. Uh, so in that vein of uh, resources being used, maybe not the most efficiently and uneconomically there in Ethiopia, what are some of the projects and some of the focus areas that you plan to take your education back and work with? Uh, you mean in my, uh, my research area? Yes, your research area. What do you hope to contribute when you go back to Ethiopia? Um, are you looking at certain markets there? Tell me what your long-term goal is, Etu. Um, yeah, the most important thing is we uh, the skill and knowledge that I acquire from this educational institute. I'll be a better person and a better individual in my uh, field of study. So I can, at least I can, plan and see uh, problems in a different direction than uh, we used to do in, uh, in uh, a commonly and traditional way. So that's the most important thing is, uh, is education can improve the knowledge of people and that's the main resource that we lack. So if I'm educated, I can have a better knowledge to share with other uh, other colleagues uh, in the same research institute. So I also can undertake projects which are really important to the society and make uh, a better life for uh, the poor people who entirely depend on agriculture. So it's a main area in, in a developing country to make the lives of people uh, better in uh, Yeah, very good. Fauna, same question. Um, talk a little bit about, you've already shared a little bit about your research. Do you have any specific projects um, in terms of, you know, making plants? Um, are there any specific plants or crops that you're working within to make those more resilient and a better fit for the types of environment? Yeah, so the project I'm working on, it's uh, improving sorghum um, adaptation in West Africa through genomics enabled breeding and also the network. So my PhD studies focus on uh, sorghum, so sorghum genomics and also crop improvement, understanding the diversity of sorghum in West Africa, in, in Niger, my country in particular, and also seeing 
what uh, so in terms of the in terms of the genomics genetics like uh, having those specific information that we can get out of that variety and it is helpful for instance for a specific environment or a stressor uh, for for niger like we have droughts um water shortage or also a specific uh, plant parasite so looking at those um insights you know genetic information that we can have and then capture that information so that we can be uh, it, it will be easy for the breeders to see what they are working on and instead of going directly in the field uh, testing them they can easily start testing them in the lab so that they can save time, money, and resources all together. So this is what uh, we are working right now in uh, improving solomon adaptation for West mm -hmm. Africa. Just learning about those diversity, and also we are creating this um, network of breeders and sci other scientists working on sorghum, so that um, we'll have like a, a a group, a large group that everyone will be contributing in, in terms of crop improvement and uh, improving uh, the livelihood of smallholder farmers. Mm -hmm. Certainly changing the future of food security um, in your area. So Fana, you've been back in country for um, a little over a year now um, since completing your PhD. You talked about the strong network of mentors and what that meant to you getting to this point. I have to think that you are an incredible mentor for young girls who are looking up to you, wanting to do something to help the food security situation as, as well. Talk a little bit about that and what that's looked like since returning to um, Niger. So um, before starting, I think I got expired from the mentors that I had at K-State first and other countries where I did my, uh, my education. So for K-State, it is um, more like having those mentors, teachers that are really wanting to help you in any cases in, in terms of education, like culture, learning about other programs and collaboration. So I, I got inspired from them and also I got inspired of other people in my country and um, in other countries, especially women. So how they drive like in understanding the, the education for girls and also bringing them to uh, the STEM. So um, with that coming to my country, uh, still with the experience that I have during my, uh, my PhD program. So the Office of Advanced Women in Science at K-State did a really great job in helping me having those experience in hands-on activities um, and then outreach activities also to see how we can motivate them and how we can bring all together and adapt it to my current environment, like in Niger. In some cases, we don't have the same level of understanding science. So we have to adapt it and to see whether the girls that, and the girls and other um, scientists or young scientists, future young scientists, we learn from them and then we can have to uh, like teach them and motivate them so that they will be interested in doing science. Fana, from your perspective, how is this program building equity for female farmers in Niger? So um, 
we have like uh, with the breeders I'm working on, we always have a participatory breeding selection. So a part, yeah, selection. So basically, it is the breeders is not the breeder is not going to work on um, themselves, but uh, they have to go like with all the value chains of people like farmers, including gender women, men and women, and then also uh, up to consumers. So in the smallholder farming system, we have uh, these uh, parts. So in our work, we are not uh, separating them like men and women. We have to, they have to be together and we work closely together with them in each step of the selection. Like for instance, if we have the rainy season uh, coming from June to uh, October, so they have to know what we are doing, men and women, and how uh, we are going to do it. So that it will be more like they know it is not like a complete stranger variety that is coming to them. We did them with uh, them and they can select also themselves which varieties they want. So it is, we, we bring them all together and then uh, we have specific, for instance, if it is more closely related to women, we have like focused discussion, especially for women, so, that, so that they will not be influenced by the men and also uh, men focus group or something like this. But sometimes we have to have all the ideas together to see how it is working in terms of the factory selection. Absolutely. And so with those separated groups, are you seeing more knowledge transfer um, from men to women, women to men? Um, and is that something new or has that existed in the past? So I think it exists in the past. Yeah, in terms of the focus groups and everything, but it is more like uh, having them, everyone will have the voice. Mm -hmm. So, and their voices count for everyone. So this is how we, how we do it. Great. Let's shift the conversation back to Ethiopia. Um, Etu, along the same lines of what Fana and I were just discussing, you know, what does this give back to your community, um, your culture there in Ethiopia? Does this promote women to have a greater voice? Um, the, the education that you're taking back in the knowledge transfer and programs like the, the Sorghum and Millet Innovation Lab, do they help women to find a greater voice in agriculture? Um. Yeah, one major important issue with the culture we have is it's not only the men that uh, they think that we don't uh, equally compete with men or we can't work as the same or as they are. It's also that the women, we already observe that men are in a better position. So uh, having educated women and who is skillful and having all the knowledge and confidence is by itself is um, yeah, looking those women by itself is something that other women can learn just by observing other women that uh, yeah, they reach this position. So I can also be that person if someone is uh, like this. It's, not, it's also not all, uh, the position or the PhD, but we women need to be really skillful and um, competent enough uh, to make others believe that women really can do things better, mm -hmm. even better than other women. So that's by itself one 
uh, one thing and the other uh, in the research institute I was uh, working, you know, in the problem uh, identification stage is because of a lot of men are involving in the problem identification. Uh, most of the time, the female interest is ignored and uh, men are the one, even when you went to the farmer in the field, it's always common to see household heads who decide for everything. So it's, uh, the, the women's part is ignored and even the men, uh, the researchers are also men, so they naturally ignore the interest of other uh, the other half of the farming community. So, uh, yeah, educated uh, availability of educated women will help to really not to forget those gaps in the culture. So, if I'm back to my institute and my job, then I'll take this in mind and in the problem identification stage. I will say this interest is for the man and we need to include other women. After all, we are working for a better uh, better farmer or a better country or a better world. So we really need to include uh, the woman uh, interest in, yeah, that's how we make things better. So it's, it's a nice opportunity to have lots of women in, in developing countries. Um, yeah. I, I feel that, I feel like when you go back to Ethiopia, Etu, your part in agriculture will not be overlooked. I feel like the education, the experiences that you're going to take back are going to be transformative um, to your community, to your family, to your future for, for food security. Um, and we can only hope that that more women choose to, to pursue the pathway that you have. So with that, what does it mean to be selected for this program and to be continuing your education here in the United States at Kansas State University um, and to have the support of your family and to have the support of your mentors and know that you're going to be able to take that knowledge back? Uh, for me, it's, it means a lot, you know, in my institute, uh, um, researcher who, who went to higher education is not even uh, around 10%. So out of 400 uh, uh, researchers, we are not like 20. It's like 5% of the researchers uh, went to higher education. And from that, female who have a PhD is one or two female are there. So uh, it's not only the PhD, I told you, uh, even if we uh, qualify that uh, position, you know, the culture and the way we have a lot of issues to to, uh, to accomplish that stage, you need to pass a lot of issues in by itself that makes you to spend too much time with a lot of things. So if you are really qualified and have a, a quality education, that means by itself, it inspires others and uh, you show people that you can do everything by by being being that person. So that's, that's my wish. And, uh, so yeah, the, the Smith team gave me this opportunity. I was really looking for a quality education. It's not only to have a PhD. Uh, yeah, I, I want to be confident and competent in my 
little of uh, specialization. So I believe Kansas State University is one of the best in agricultural economies. It's not only the education in my class, I observe people from uh, different culture, different country, uh, and the diversity is really amazing. Um, yeah, the students are uh, sociable and the culture is, uh, you know, you, you, you learn that uh, rather than being competent, this being cooperative is the best thing. So I really want to take this uh, mentality back home. You know, if you really work together, you can make things better, even with other women or even other men. You need to really cooperate and to be uh, uh, competent. Uh, and the other thing I learned from here is uh, working hard is important in everything. Uh, you can't be perfect in every area. So you need to work hard. So in some areas, if you are not really quite uh, equipped with that area, it's also good to ask advice and support from uh, friends around you. So that's all I, um, yeah, I, I will take back home to my friend, the same, my colleagues. Thank you for that, Etu. Thana, in the same vein of that question, um, what did it mean for you to have that support and to be able to pursue and further your education at Kansas State University and, and be able to take that back to Niger? So it means like I uh, have a lot of, I, I had a lot of commitment. Yeah, so it seems like I engaged myself in a, a really great road trip to towards my vision to ensure food security. So having this opportunity to do my studies at Kansas State University under the Sorghum and Millage Innovation Lab, I mean, it is, it's really big. So um, I started, I was working at the National Institute of Agronomic uh, Research of uh, Niger, so in Iran. So, and then this is where the, the story starts, like the adventure began. began. So it's um, through those, uh, this institution, I got admitted, like I, I was selected for the PhD um, student trainee for the Sorghum and Millet Innovation Lab. So I started with that and I know like I have a work to do and also I have to prove that I am the best person that was selected at Chinran. So this, this is uh, something really big for me. So I have to focus on my studies and also learning on uh, the next step. So I will be like the, the, the student, but next time, like maybe in a couple years or later, I'll be the collaborator for the same program or another program. Uh, with uh, the collaboration that I got at uh, Kansas State University. So it's really like the Sorghumimate Innovation Lab opens me the, the door of bringing network back to my country and also back to, uh, to Africa. So this opportunity, I know may, I, I, I can have it and also I can benefit from it. So Kansas State University, like I had a lot of grateful experiences and full memories that 
I will not forget. And also I'm still taking into advantage. I'm still benefiting it now. Like I have those, um, like each step of the day that I have, I remember that I know what is for instance for formal learning, what is the scientific method I have, which network I can use, like in terms of the colleagues of the collaboration, I can have to bring forward my vision and also my mission for the for the co-op improvement. Mm-hmm. So thinking back to your childhood, Fauna, were there a lot of women in the position that you're in now? Or is this something that you're seeing to change? So not that much, not a lot. So it is really challenging um, back in the day for women to do a few of them, like maybe a few of them were going towards uh, higher education after high school and then uh, start education. But um, when I was like a child, I, I don't know if uh, there, there are like five or 10 um, women that have the PhD, but now it is more increasing, it was increasing because of the, the inspiration that we have, the support that girls have and that I had to. So I have to give back also. So I have a lot of support from uh, my collaborators and the networks that I have. So it is not stopping at me. I will continue towards this and also increase the number of women in science. That's why we were, we were doing, we are doing right now, like outreach activities in Niger so that we bring them in STEM and uh, let them know that they can do it. We can motivate them and then support them also. Very encouraging. As to same question, thinking back to your childhood, did you know many women in the position that you are in today? Um, I remember back in high school, we didn't have enough uh, female <laughs> teachers in the high school. So yeah, it's um, nowadays, I at least uh, the policy encouraged uh, women to participate in higher education. But still the problem, I, I feel like um, yeah, the problem is, uh, you know, you you are pushed to, to some position and people are looking at you, whether you will be successful or not. So if you really fail, that means, uh, uh, yeah, you are making people to believe that uh, women are not really uh, able to uh, compete with uh, other other people, so uh, we have really a responsibility to be, uh, you know, skillful and knowledgeable. It's not always that you have a support from someone. You we really need to strive to uh, to be able to compete with other uh, other men. So yeah, it's a little. There is a little bit change in my country, but still is superficial, you know, you think that people think that you are, you are getting this position because you are pushed, because you guys are support. That's, that's a lot of people are thinking. It's not so many female are in a good position, but those, even those who are in that position, people believe that because this position by different people support. <laughs> So we really need to make sure that we we really qualify. It's not because of the push. It's important to have support for uh, people. You know, we do have uh, a culture that uh, 
um, uh, things that men are uh, the one who decide for everything and men know everything. So we need that uh, support from our families that we also are good in everything. But it's not always that you get that support and uh, you, you reach that position because of the policy change or the government or the support. If we, by ourselves, we can do uh, things better than anyone. It's if we got that opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah, very good. Thanks for sharing that. It, it sounds like the pressure to succeed as a woman is much greater in Ethiopia. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe it's not only that, uh, you know, the culture encourage you to stay at home. And when you decide to go out in, um, yeah, to uh, pursue your professional life, people uh, challenge you. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's, uh, you need to choose between your professional life and your family, your decision to have a family or to have kids or to get married in your professional life. So that's really uh, doesn't make you successful in life, you know? You can't choose between the two. You can't, you know, you want both of them at the same time. So uh, it's not only for people who are in the countryside or females who are not educated. Even educated females are really challenged. That's that I can really feel because, you know, if you are competent enough, uh, your colleagues also feel like you got that position and you'll be competent because you are getting the support from something. It's not because you strive for it, it's because you are working for it, it's because of support. So that itself makes you to feel like you are not competent, <laughs> you are getting this support. But the reality is not like that. You have a lot of pressure from other issues and uh, you are strong enough be in that position. That's the reality I <laughs> I tell for myself. <laughs> well, Etufana, thank you so much for the path that you've chosen and for what you're taking back to your country and, and just your contribution to the change of food security for your country's future. It's it's incredible and certainly impactful. Thank so you. as we look at wrapping up here this morning, any final thoughts from either of you? All right. All right. Thank you so much. We certainly appreciate your time, Fauna. Thanks for joining us at a later hour in the evening there in Ethiopia. We certainly appreciate that as well. Brian, we're ready to hand things back to you. Oh, and Nat, I, I don't want to forget you. I'm sorry. You were so quiet up there at the top of the screen. <laughs> well, I think I, I just, I, I appreciate the conversation today. And I, like I said, we're um, as a Sorghum and Mill Innovation Lab, we're, we're really proud to be associated with, with uh, Edtu and, and Fauna and, and many other women um, who, uh, yeah, I mean, represent leadership, not only now, but, but into the future, and that are just by their um, own lives and their profession, they, they really make change. Um, but uh, you know, we, we want to be on the side of that policy and that institutional change too that Etu is talking about. And um, so we, we, we lend our voice there too where we can um, because that, that is, uh, is really significant um, in, in how the, 
the enabling environment can also change over time so that these frontier women that we're speaking to who are kind of, you know, forging the path that those who come behind in the environment changes uh, and, and it's a, it's just a better situation in the long term. So again, my hat off to, to both these ladies. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's easy to have these conversations um, or to have these conversations be top of mind on days like International Women's Day. But these are important conversations yeah. every single day. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. certainly evident what this program, the Sorghum and Millet Innovation Lab and the Feed the Future Lab Network around the country is contributing mm -hmm. to this conversation. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks again so much to all of our panelists for joining us. Yes, Vaughn, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt? Thank you. No, I say thank you very much for the Absolutely. invitation. Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, Brian, we're ready to hand things back to you. À la prochaine. Thanks so much, Vaughn. <laughs> <Au revoir. laughs> thank you. I, I, I'm a <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's in Amahari. Thank you very much. I also would like to thank uh, the Smithing. Uh, team and also the Kansas University in having this old opportunity. I really thank uh, and also for this coffee talk. <laughs> thank you very, very much. Our yes, pleasure. absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Our pleasure as well. All right. Thanks again, Laura. Certainly. All right, Brian. Thanks for joining us for AGI SureTrack Coffee Talk. Connect with us on the web at agisuretrackcommunity.com.